welcome to the Boxing Now podcast BNP. I am trying to be your highly esteemed and unquestionable host, that dude named Dave, aka DJ. And to my left, he's my right hand man, Jorge. What's going on, man? Doing all right, Dave, man. How good to see you. Hey, good to see you too. Uh, before we get started, I got to kick the proceedings out here. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. So we are broadcasting live on YouTube as well as on Twitch live going forward here now. I mean, well, every episode will be on Twitch live. Uh, we'll still do some pre recordings. So knowing that on YouTube, click on like subscribe click on the bell notification so that when you see the episodes come up or if you're on youtube and you've seen us live boom you can tune right in same thing for twitch now since this is our first episode on twitch but don't get confused if you're on there seeing episode 14 it's because we've been doing this for a few months here boxing now also on spotify you want to follow us there boxing now podcast and also for our affiliates here spanglish world sports on the zingo app channel 250 the show is regularly played there in canada on the zingo app channel 250 so shout out to our affiliate spanglish world man i got that out the way here so this is something new here jorge we're doing some live streaming here so for people who may attempt to watch here going forward here if boxing's one of the one of the sports that has the biggest you know arguments that we see people have always got an opinion so if you got a comment or if you think we're wrong hey why don't you hop in the chat and talk to us if not we're gonna keep doing what we're programming what we're gonna do here today right absolutely man so let's get this going here started jorge uh we're recording this here there was a big fight this weekend with canelo alvarez once again it's, it seems funny i thought we just talked about him he had a quick turnaround and he's fighting again he just fought actually this past saturday in miami florida man and it was a destruction, wasn't it? Uh, not just a destruction, but uh, well, okay. So we, we talked about this <laughs> afterwards and stuff, right? The following day, right? So it's it's one of those things where it's an expected destruction, not like that. And the conspiratorial part of me says eh, something's got to change, man. Something's got to change. I was not happy with the as a boxing fan. If you're paying into the zone. And the zone tries to do the best it can to put out something, put some quality out there. All right. So it's not a lack of trying. But when you're fighting a mandatory that hasn't fought in uh, and keep me honest here, Dave, two years. I'm a, let's get into the details of that here. But yes, it the official timing, I think, is 731 days. And to be exact, he last fought February 19th of 2019. So he literally fought two years and five days to the day since his last fight. Yeah, I have a beef with that. I have a beef with that. We, 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 let's get, get we'll, we'll get into that. Let's get into the fight first, and then let's talk about why we hate the situation right now. Sure. So Canelo fought in Miami to about a crowd about 15,000. And um, man, I wish we could have been there. I know the Miami weather was a lot better. I mean, we finally got some nice weather in Chicago, but... I wanted to go. I'm trying to tell I you know. Go. I know. I know. We uh we we wanted to submit for our credentials, but I thought it was just too timing and COVID, it's COVID season, man. I ain't, it, I ain't got my shot yet, man. I'm still trying to stay away from catching the cooties. You ain't gonna catch no deal. It's it's the bad cooties too, man. You know, cats ain't cats ain't waking up from it. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. That's a separate topic for sure. Yeah, yeah. Days. But um it was in Miami, fifteen thousand. Sure. Uh, pretty good crowd for the zone for everything that's going on in February. And the fight only lasted three rounds. Uh, the first round, uh, I let me see here. Let me pull it back up here. He only threw one punt, one punch. And the fighter's name, I let me just pull it back. Up. I, I don't even know if I want to mention his name because I don't know if it's even worth it. Uh, Avni Yidri. So I, I 
made it a point that I don't want to see this guy ever again. Like I've actually seen him fight twice now. So let me just point out the picture. I said he fought February 23rd, 2019 against Anthony Durrell. I actually I didn't realize it until I actually started doing homework for the episode that I watched that fight because I'm a Darrell fan. I'm I'm a fan of both Darrell brothers. They're both from Flint, Michigan. Uh, I have tons of family, cousins, aunts, uncles. Um, prior to my grandmother passing away, she was living in Flint for um, decades, things of that nature. So I had a ton of family out there. So I was repping for Darrell. Matter of fact, we met um, Andre Darrell at a fight in April of 2015 when uh it wasn't the zone it was actually pbc the was pbc is in chicago that's yeah there, back then when it was on spike tv yeah spike tv so we met uh, andre Durrell. got a picture of him i might post that when we get the website going some of our you know my fanboy shots but he last fought two years ago and he lost to Durrell at the time who was the wbc super middleweight champion there is no way that he should have been fighting the mandatory when he coming up a loss and then able to sit for two years and then had this opportunity, but let me get back to the fight here. He threw one punch in round one. That that alone, not like he was probing, he was gauging, he kind of, you know, was trying to slip and trying to see what Canelo's doing. He threw one punch, and he was not ready to fight, Jorge. Not even so much he was ready to fight. Or he didn't want to fight. Uh, th that's more of the my mindset of how I saw that fight. It looked like a guy who was just ready to accept the paycheck, call it a night, and, and maybe – do something down the road, but there was no reason for, you know, he just like to your point, right? He just came off a loss almost two years ago. Hasn't fought in, in two years. Hasn't done anything. I mean, and when you throw only one punch in the round, you're basically telling the fight fans live and on TV. I'm not really here to do any kind of fighting. I, I enjoyed the weather. It was a nice vacation. I just want to get this <laughs> paycheck and get the hell out of here. And, as a fight fan, uh, that sucks. That sucks that you be paying into the zone for trying to put out. Right again, not a lack of trying, but when your mandatory is not fought in two years, something's got to change in the boxing world where that crap doesn't happen anymore. And, and we'll get into details about what we think we can do to fix that, but. Uh, as a fight fan, I wasn't happy. It was basically a lot of chatter on the side uh, before the fight started. Uh, the undercard was underwhelming, to say the least. Uh, you know, there's always some prospects out there. But other than that, when your main event is Canelo Alvarez, you you wanted him to at least fight somebody. It doesn't have to be a war all the time when it's your mandatory. But your expectation, if it's your mandatory, he's the number one ranked from that sanctioning body to fight the guys the guy's got to be better than what the hell was put out there saturday so and let me add to canelo they, he's be canelo sparring partner so knowing how the fight ended knowing that he was a former sparring partner we understand why canelo took this fight in two months the last fight was like december 27th 28th yeah. around that time or december 3rd i can't remember uh, the exact it was the last weekend last saturday of december then you come around do the last saturday of february he knew what he was getting. In. It was target practice. Yeah. I mean, he 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 was like, "Hey, I'm gonna throw this combination here. I'm gonna go to the head, to the body." I he like always pinpoint, you know, to the obliques, to the body. He was landing shots. He was coming in. He was coming through the guard over the top. It was like, okay, what do I what do I want to throw next? I want to throw the right. Okay, boom. I want to throw two point. No, I'm gonna throw the jab. You know what? I want to double up the body. Boom, boom. And by that second round, 
Joel Diaz, very good trainer. He's one of the top trainers in the game. Yep. Um, I would say I'll put him in the top five right now as current trainers. Like you see some guys you don't see lately because a lot of trainers are getting older and we don't see them as much now, especially the last year. But I'll put him in the top five right now. Guys he's worked with and the results he's received from his fighters over the last decade of watching him train. Sure. In round two, he was pleading like it was round nine. I, that that I have never seen a, a corner plead the way he was pleading at the end of round two. Unless, normally you see that when it's been multiple knockdowns, it's round nine, and he's ready to stop the fight. He was talking about stopping the fight at the end of round two, Jorge. I, again, this is – and Joe Diaz, again, very respected trainer. This that, that goes without saying. The, the conspiratorial part of me about this fight meant – I feel like I said, it's not just that I feel like the fighter was ready to go home, and I don't ever want to accuse a trainer of not of being the same type of uh, having the same mindset. But for for all the things you pointed out about Canelo being a former partner, sparring partner of Canelo, mm-hmm. how is it not past the smell test that this doesn't you know that this this fight was just it was more than a gimme, almost like. Hey, let's just let's all let's all make this money and get the hell out of here, man. Who and, and, and that's kind of what it felt like. And, and like I said, Joe Diaz, well-respected trainer, and he, the his actions did not does not make me feel a certain way. But it, overall, I still feel a certain way, and I, I hate to in, you know inject his name and feel like he's just in on this as well as long as much as. The sanctioning bodies, the zone. The I don't think he, fighter. I'm not, I'm not going to enter the trainer. He all his job is to make sure his fighter is ready. You know what I'm saying? He can only do so much. Like we talked about last episode with Mark Breland and Deontay Wilder, he didn't even like we brought up that he didn't even have his number. So a trainer could only do what he could do. Like I said, if you don't have his number, so in this situation here, he we we cannot quite. I'm not going to question Diaz. I'm not going to even put him in this. It, it's bad as this fight is, and we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to add him to that because. I'm not going to subject to hyperbole on that notion. I can only subject to what I see on paper. A trainer's job is to get his guy ready. Now, was he in shape and was ready? He cannot make him throw punches. Only thing he could do is train him, give him the fight plan. At that point, thing when the bell rings, ding, 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 he, you heard him. You can hear Joe Diaz throw, throw this, throw the, throw the right. He was begging him. So it's not like he was like, hey, it's not your night. Let's just call the night. He, he was pleading. He was he was on he was like come on show me something so on that note I am one thing I will not do is I'm not going to say hey he's part there's other factors we can talk about other people we can talk about the WBC sanction in this fight we can talk about the promoters in this fight you know involved in it you know and everything else I'm not going to throw it on the trainer all, I will all, not do that unless the trainer showed me something for that all, all the trainer in this case Joe just has a couple of things two things to do with the training the training make sure he's in weight. And make sure he's ready to fight. He made weight. He was under 160. He's like 167 and change. So conditioning and the way he look as a, as a fighter, that was not an issue. Uh, and so, so again, if, if that those are the two things Joe Diaz has to do. Actually, any trainer has to do. Make sure the fighter's ready to fight with the game plan and, get, and stay in shape. He stayed in shape and made the weight for the fight. He did, the, he did his job there. And he begged him to throw. And here's the thing. Take away the game plan. If he is begging him to throw punches, That's how bad the fight was. It really was how bad of a fight that mm-hmm. was. You know, it, it wasn't 
it wasn't competitive. It was, it sucked. It, 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 it and, sucked, and, and it's, <laughs> it's we're trying so hard to describe talk about this fight because I, I wanna, it was so I, I, short. I, believe me, I want I want I want to be able to conversate about this fight. I really, yeah, we really wanted to. We're trying to, but let's get okay. Round three had the most action, of course, because that was the knockdown. Yeah. You know, um, that was the most combinations that Canelo threw. Uh, he got the knockdown in, and then it was a overhand right that he threw that from center field. I mean, it seemed like he cocked it back here and it just went and landed. And then it seemed like it picked him off his feet. And when he fell down, like, how do you not see that right hand coming? It wasn't like he parried it. He covered it up with the left. I saw that coming a mile away. He, and then he went down. You can sort of look in his face. And I'm like, it's over. I mean, it was already over, but it was, I thought, I didn't, I was shocked he got out of the round because I thought Canelo would be able to put him away, but he was able to like kind of hide a little bit. He kind of put up his defenses, took a lot of clean shots, but made it to end the round. Cause I believe the knockdown happened around the 145 mark, something like that. It was, it was still a half a round to go. And I thought it was going to be stopped at that point. But I give it to him for hanging on to the end of the round. But by the time the end of the third round hit, you heard Joe Diaz on, you know, I do his on the stool begging him, do you want me to stop this fight? And then, the look in Avni's eyes. He didn't say he looked defeated. You can just say he was just sitting there. He said, "Come on, show me something. Do you really want me to stop this fight?" And he was, and he wouldn't respond. So as soon as a, a trainer is begging and you asking for a response, and after twice he just looking like this, and I know it was a knockdown. You know he was hurt, but he heard him. He was ashamed to say he wanted to quit because <laughs> when a guy's quiet, mm -hmm. you know he's like, "Hey, it's not my night." And then the camera panned off, and then you know the announcing crew was focused on Canelo. Then all of a sudden, you saw the fight stop. And as soon as I heard the fight was stop, I was like, "This piece of you know what?" I, I was playing dominoes. I was doing a, a domino stream when the fight was going on, and, and believe me, I'm watching the fight. And I was like, "All right, let me be, let me get back to my my show over here and get back to the action stuff." And it was it, it was disappointing. I, I think the next day when we spoke, we had a mm -hmm. better conversation yeah. about what needs <laughs> to happen to make sure we don't see shit like this happen again yeah Sorry. yeah that's cool so um it ended in three rounds canelo gets the ko uh his record goes to 55 one and two with 37 ko's so we knew it was going to be a stepping stone i was not expecting a barn burner i was just at least expecting the guy to have a pulse you know what i'm saying that's all i was expecting a pulse he didn't even have that you know his defense was reminiscent of arthur abraham peekaboo defense when you have your guards up like this mm -hmm. i know i'm blocking the mic but i'm doing it you know when you have it like this and you're making sure that you're telling the guy you only have a certain part of the body you're not getting to my guard in my head the peekaboo defense mm -hmm. only problem though is that when you peekaboo sometimes you got a peekaboo yep <laughs> you peek and boom, you got hit. yeah but he didn't do nothing so it's on to the next now. So what we knew was going to happen, we've been talking about this for several episodes. And I got to admit to people who follow the show, I, at one time I was feeling such type of way about talking about Canelo so much, you know, but he is clearly number one pound for pound, the best boxer in the world right now. There could be guys that has a better skill set. You can say guys are faster, but like overall, he's the body of work. So he's the number one guy. And I look at it, we're doing a boxing podcast. We'll be talking about LeBron James every other day, you know, or we'll be talking about the Brooklyn Nets and how James Harden is just killing it right now or Kyrie every other day because so much is going on. So I got we got to give guys roses when they're here. Like Canelo, of course, he had an easy dispatch win, so nice on to the next May 8th and that's against Billy Joe Saunders now. And, then that, and, and this then, is going to be a legitimate, a better then, fight. Uh, oh, this will be a more legitimate fight, folks. So believe me, I, I think as we are start approaching May 8th, 
and we start previewing that, getting closer and closer to previewing that fight, that'll be a much more funner discussion, right? Yeah. And I expect a more funner discussion leading up to the fight, the night of the fight, and after the fight, because I, I expect that fight to be a lot better than what this was, right? This was a mandatory that did it, you know, that sat on for two years, looking to get his biggest paycheck ever. And he's probably done with his career with boxing. He'll probably just retire with the money and go off into the sunset. Billy Joe Saunders, different story, different me, type of fighter. Mm -hmm. So I'm more. I just want to repeat one. one more thing too. Anthony Durrell fought this weekend to a draw, you know, but he fought this weekend. He's on the same schedule. If anybody deserved a crack at gaining the WBC belt again, it was him. He was the former WBC champion. I understand, like, we're going to get into it, you know, about the whole issue, but we had a guy who literally was a former belt holder who <laughs> deserved a better shot than yeah. this guy here. Yes, he did. And I wouldn't be surprised that he pulls a Marcus Medina. When I say Marcus Medina, not in, not disrespecting him the way this guy. I mean, he got two Floyd fights, mm. and we ain't seen that man ever again. Yep. Um, he got a Canelo fight as a mandatory money that he never would have saw fight anybody else. Um, if I'm him, I don't see no reason why to get in the ring again unless he's bad with money. Yep. Exactly. Ain't no point. You get a Canelo check, that's it. And especially the guy like him who's coming off a loss to Anthony Durrell and is not a world beater. Hey man, you you need to hang it up, man. Maybe going to maybe best of the trainer. <laughs> no, I thought yeah. no, I don't want to listen to you. You didn't throw no punches. I don't want you to train. Hey, just, I, just go to the sunset, my friend. Yep. No, I'm I'm done. I was I was done. I was done the night of the fight. And I'm sorry, folks. I mean, it just if you saw the if you saw the fight, you mm. know exactly how I feel. And it's not not it not was good. it's it was garbage. Not good, not good. So we're moving on to May 8th. So it's gonna be it's technically Cinco de Mayo weekend. Cinco de Mayo is falling like during the week. Yeah, so, that's, how you, that's exactly Cinco de Mayo week, you know, weekend we, basically. The weekend. So, so it's going to be May 8th. Um, no site's been determined yet, of course. Um, but of course, the major thing, because we're still heavy with COVID right now, is what state is going to allow for the most fans. So we're going to either see Texas, Florida, or I know. Vegas is normally single to mile territory. So we'll see what happens in the next few months if Vegas starts opening up for fans. If there's still no fans in, in Nevada, we're not going to see single to mile at the T Mobile, which it would be. It would be at T Mobile or at Alliance Stadium where the Raiders play at if they can get stand they can get fans in Nevada. Yeah. I, so I mean I would say folks keeping I read the tea leaves as the months approach, right? Um, if you start hearing things out of Texas, out of Nevada about all of a sudden things being open, you know maybe a couple of weeks before single to mile weekend, you can kind of tell more or less where the site is being planned at. Um, I'm my, my money will be it's in Florida. I wouldn't be surprised. It's back in Miami. Nah, uh, no, why I'm gonna cut you off right now. Why they just did Florida. If you follow, follow business, unless it's Vegas, you're not going to a place like Florida for back to back regions. If anything it's coming back to Texas, it's, it's a major weekend florida does not have the stadium and the type of resources for people that when you're trying to attract so it's either going to be in dallas and jerry world or the practice facility that he has that he did for a, a, a spence fight that holds close to thirty thousand, mm. or we go back to san antonio again you know or another state that has people but florida this was a mandatory fight there's a reason why this was in florida it was a mandatory the money and the resources. So when you go sink of the mile, you got to follow the alcohol and the money and the things that's opened up. And so Texas 
is where you, you I'm, I'm just being I'm showing history. I know I, what you're I, saying. I, I what so you're saying, history but... shown business wise. You do a mandatory fight like this in Florida. You do a big fight in where you know that money flows in there for Canelo and his audience. Who's going to travel to see the fight? That's going to spend. I, I, I typically I would agree with everything you're saying. There. In fact, if it wasn't for COVID, it'd say Vegas and we call it a day because of where COVID is and where the rules that are being played and changing and the goalposts changing all the damn time, I would say if nothing, if, if everything stood where it currently is right now, I'm still saying Florida. No, I'm stopping you again because the, the stadium there does not provide the resources and the money, I unlike agree. San Antonio and Dallas, and they're not going to come. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand on this, and I'll give, I'll give, I'll stand on a thousand dollar bet right now. You're, they're not going to do the resources in Miami. Miami does not have the money or a stadium for a single to mile fight right now. I wouldn't, right? I wouldn't guarantee 100%. even in COVID season. I wouldn't even guarantee. I'm not saying even hundred percent of that. I'm, I'm saying it's going to be in Miami. I'm not even considering. No, no, why? Because you don't go to a place back to back. Like I don't. That. I don't. I don't disagree with that sentiment. What I'm saying is because the circumstances are different now, anything is possible. That's, and I'm saying, and, and in business, that is not possible when you're looking at getting the most money when resources are reduced. So when you look at a business standpoint here, what what stadium would get Canelo the most money for Cinco de Mayo? And if you're looking at Florida, and if you're looking at Texas, and if you're looking at the new stadiums in Texas. You're not going to see. There's a reason why this, uh, this happened in Florida because it's Odney Yittery. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. That's if, what I'm saying. That, I, I'm standing this, on this because of the of the opponent that, and the state. That mean, and that's what I'm saying. So when all things considered, if the fight, say, say the fight was, what was the other option if it wasn't going to be in Miami for this particular fight? For, well, for knowing Canelo Alvarez and knowing COVID and knowing what state, let's say nothing opens up right now. And and we're, we're let's say we're in the same condition right now, right? It's going to be Texas. We're going back to Texas. Then, then, and, then, and you know why? Because Texas is going to bid the most money. There's no one in Miami that's going to bid more. I don't just, I, so because the fight was in Miami, if the fight wasn't in Miami last Saturday, where the hell would it have been? I just honestly, if it wasn't Miami this past Saturday, where would it have been, in your opinion? Let me see here. Um, they could have done it in Connecticut. Like they did, uh, like with the Broner fight, because they're opening up, but that does not have as many fans. It's going to be a state that has fans, but like I said with Canelo, though he has options when it comes to that, and he's only going to fight where the money is. When you have a mandatory defense, where you're not even sure, um, of course everything's going on and the resources, and in February, got to look at the time of the year too. February, you know what's popping in February in cold weather state? It's a cold weather state. I mean, warmer state in a cold, cold time of the year. Your May is summertime mm -hmm. or that transition from sure. spring summertime. So I'm only saying that when you get into the heart of travel season, even if it's COVID, people are still traveling. People are making exceptions in certain states, especially Texas. So if you're getting 15,000, you're going to San Antonio or you're going to either two of Jerry's locations. Jerry has two locations like Spence, the Spence fight he did on Fox about two and a half years ago. That can that has a host about 30,000. And then Jerry Roll does 100,000. So when you're looking at Cinco de Mayo, it's the blow up. You can't blow up Miami for a boxing I, fight. I, I, I get I get the business aspect of it, right? But I just and I got yeah, I know what you're pointing out, and I hate to do this. I this is the this is the debate part that I will put a thousand dollars if I'm wrong, I will give it I, to I, you I, again. If if I knew if I felt like hundred percent it would be in Miami again, I would say that. But I'm I'm saying and Canelo's only fought and this is a second time fight fighting in in Florida. His second time in Miami in his entire career. 
So it was, it was it was an exception. He wouldn't have even been here if it wasn't for the mandatory. If anything, if he didn't have the mandatory situation, he wouldn't have fought in February. And we'll be talking about uh, like Texas or Vegas. It opens up in May. You know what I'm saying? It was literally, how can I fight in two months? Who can give me this bag, the zone? And how can I get out unscathed? And Florida checked all those boxes so, for two so, months. So, so, again, it was a temporary hold. Typically, I would agree <laughs> with you 100%. This wouldn't even be a debate here. I'm telling you. This would be most likely Vegas or Texas. I would still say Vegas in this case. I hope Vegas opens up soon, man. I Look, I hope so, too. I hope to, I hope somewhere it opens up for the fight. People take, saying, your, people take your shots if you can get them. We're trying to go somewhere. I'm just take, I'm just saying if it's if we're in the same situation now mm-hmm. in May or worse, unfo- God forbid, uh, what I'm trying to yeah, say is it's going to be somewhere where at the very least you get it may not blow up the way you want it business wise, but at least people can sit and watch the fight. And that's the only place right now I can think of right now. All but under normal circumstances, we'd be in Vegas. We wouldn't even have this debate, my friend. So I I appreciate or the, California. I, no, California is huge too, but they're not. I don't. They're not. I wouldn't up. know. I would. No, no, no. I'm saying California would be a location if we weren't in COVID. Yeah, of course, of course. Like down by the LA. Yeah, down in LA. Stadium. Uh, the a Staples Center. The Staples Center. Exactly. You know, but California just they got they got they got issues too. Exactly. So again, we can't I'm, we can't do New York. We 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 want to do a fight in the Barclays, but you know Como got issues over there too. You know, on the high rate. So I don't want to go there with that one. But yeah, New York screwed for a bit. Yeah, we have New York, and I love the Barclays. I want to see a fight there so bad. I, I work not too far away from there, and we we plan on seeing fights at the Barclays, man. So let's uh I went on my tangent here. Let's get back to Billy Joe. <laughs> I have to do that. I, I wanna we don't we don't argue much on the show. We're gonna get there as the show goes on. You I, love I, arguments I, and arguments. I wanted to me. argue That's... with you so bad. Yeah. So um uh big babe, not big, she got me so bad, but uh Billy Joe. You're so bad about Big Babe. <laughs> hey, I lost money on that. I lost money on that. So uh Billy Joe signed it. Money was left on the table. That's more than Oh like my it. god, yeah. So Billy Joe is next up. He's the WBO title holder at 168. He was a former WBO title holder at 160. This fight was supposed to happen last year in May. This was the proposed fight, but you know, when COVID happened in March, everything we didn't know what was gonna happen, and so it got scrapped. And here we are again. So we're back to Billy Joe. Sign so delivered. Eddie Hearn was in the ring after the Canelo fight. And you know, it had the little jumbo uh, jumbotron with the announcement, you know, the the secret that we all knew, you know. So <laughs> So, uh, everybody knew it. yeah, so we got a Southpaw who likes to throw a jab, technically bigger than Canelo, who should give a better fight than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, not a knockout fight. There's only got 14 knockouts by no. KO, but mm-hmm. hey, he definitely will uh, give the Canelo some fits. Uh, so I'm actually excited about that to see, you know, again, when you see the guys like Canelo and stuff, you know, guys that, don't, that, are, the, that are the number one, Pound for pound. Yeah. You want them to get challenged. You want to see challenges. Uh, typically, you'd want to see somebody that would challenge them that have some knockout power and stuff. But I'm also happy with somebody that's uh, – I'm not going to be happy to watch him fight somebody that's going to give him uh, a challenge, at least from the boxing point of view, and, and see if he can uh, make do with that. Yeah. So, Billy Joe brings a lot of questions that's going to come up in the next few months. So, this is going to be another quick turnaround because, you know, he's technically fighting in two months. You know, you got all of March, all of April, and then the first major weekend in May. I wouldn't really call this a fight. I just call it an exhibition. Let's just yeah, I mean, it's sparring. Oh, let me get back to um, talk about sparring here. Uh, Teddy Atlas was grilling Canelo, and I hate that 
I'm gonna I, I wanna go back and bounce back here. Teddy Alves was killing him because he said that if he was you know training Canelo and if Abney came into camp, he'd have been sent home the first day. He's like, a guy like this doesn't even give you anything to prepare for. He's like, he would have been sent home after those three rounds if he quit. He wouldn't have even made it to lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And so you had a couple of guys killing Canelo because he fought someone who didn't deserve to be in the ring. So let me just add this, and I know you might want to comment on this too. Canelo had no choice but to fight this guy if he wanted to keep his WBC belt, people. Let me just say that again. He had no choice if he wanted to keep the belt. If you want to stand on a rock and feel that he shouldn't have fought him and fought someone else, okay, that's cool. You can feel you can feel that way. But he cannot become the undisputed super middleweight champion, which has never been done in the three belt or four belt era, era if he does not do this fight on Saturday. I, I either fight him or he gets stripped and then goes through the whole thing we're trying to do and then come back to WBC. But that makes no sense, right? If you have a goal and you know that you have to do this, you have to fight the guys in front of you. He literally is like the NBA right now. I'm keep going back to basketball. Basketball has scheduled games. He literally said, this is my schedule for 2021 yeah. and probably into 2022. I have a plan here. I fight at 168. I want to be the undisputed champion. So here's the game plan here. So you, Teddy Atlas, he just wants to, he's, he just hates certain people. He, he, got, he got on the soapbox when, look, at the end of the day, if you look at guys like Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., who basically fought the majority of his time in Mexico against a lot of bumps. At, at, some, point, at some point, nobody said a word. Back then, boxing was boxing. I'm glad you I, said that. Though. I was prepared for you to say that. Mm -hmm. I have Julio Cesar Chavez's record here. Yeah. I have the guys you brought up. Hold that thought. I want to bring a couple of records here sure. so you can conclude your thought uh, of here. Of course. Um, Chavez, just to make everybody know, I believe that he is still considered the greatest Mexican fighter of all time, one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I'm going to say that I think Canelo's knocking on the door, becoming the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I'm going to say that right now. Some people can say he is now. I am going to say that in the next year or two, it'll be unquestioned. I'm really feeling that way. But if you look at some of Chavez's guys here, I didn't, people say it's sacrilege. I'm not going have people mad at me, but I still right now think he's the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. But I'm looking at this one guy here. He fought with a 32, 13, and 14 record named Faustino Matiare Barrios. It's littered basically. Oh, before that, Roberto Collins was 2 and 15. We have a guy here who was 13 and 6 and Dwight Pratchett. Uh, let me go up here. No, no, no. have some fun with this. Pick, look at number fight number 65. Um, fight number 65. That was actually like fight number 50. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Look at your fight number 65. Hold on. I'm going to 19. 92. Yeah. Okay. He fought Bruce Pearson, 10, 10, and 1. Okay. Fight number 72. <laughs> Hold on. Let me scroll back up here. Um, I'm going to go to, because he had over 100 fights. Uh, his actual record is, ooh, let me go back here. Um, pro record, 115 bouts. And he is, let me see, you want to go to there? I'm looking at Frankie Randall, 50, 15, 14. He's a legit fighter. Yeah. But Willie Wise, 26 and 10 in 2003. Uh, he fought a guy who was 38 and 29 in Verdell Smith in 1999. Um, this is after the Oscar De La Hoya fight, and, of course. I mean, his best fights were. Let, uh, let, me, let me throw a few more fights out here. Sure. He fought a guy named Craig Houck in 1995 who was 51 and 25. Okay. <laughs> so a guy who probably fight in the barns every other week. Um, <laughs> when you got that many fights. Uh, I just want to keep going here. I just want to name this out here. Uh, let me scroll down here. There's a couple other guys that I saw records here. 
Uh, another guy here was Raphael Lyman at 51 and 14. Uh, you know, he's a, you know, but you got, uh, let's see here. Another guy here in, uh, let me see here. Pull it back up here. Delfino Mendoza at 23 and 11. He fought a lot of guys with 10 and 20 and 30 losses. Exactly. So I would say probably in two hands, you can probably count the fighters that were of the most relevance in his life. You know, that, that, that made sense to us as boxing fans. We remember Mildred Taylor, uh, Hector Camacho, uh, Pernell Whitaker, and then later on, De La Hoya. Mm -hmm. I forgot. He only fought him once, right? Or was yeah, it he fought De La Hoya once. Only fought him once. So uh <laughs> it's funny as a kid growing up and at the same time at the same time i was watching his career i was watching a young felix trinidad uh in, in going to his own basically at welterweight and i always used to tell my dad as a kid this is when i was trying to understand boxing right trying to understand, I didn't understand the, the weight divisions yet and everything like that and i was like why isn't chavez for trinidad yet oh he's like he's talking about they're both in separate weight divisions and stuff and i'm trying to figure out why this man never 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 moved up in weight and he was he was comfortable fighting tomato cans in Mexico, so I would say this: he for the for the, to, for him to make his his million dollars and stuff, he probably had to fight about thirty bums to even get to his first million pops. Or guys past their prime. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I say and there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. As long as if you're fighting the bum of the week, and you're gonna do you're gonna fight five or six times a year, which we don't see nowadays, but like what he was doing that, he fought give or take, depending on the landscape that year. One or two top 10 guys, you yep. know, or another champion. Like, you know, we've seen the wars. Like, of course, we've seen him lose. You know, we saw the fights with, you know, you know, um, Pernell Whitaker. We, you know, we, we want to discuss that fight in the future, you know, or Oscar De La Hoya, or any of the greats, you know, or um, who was the one guy that he don't know his name anymore when he should have won he, the last second when um, Richard Steele stopped the fight? Major Taylor. Taylor, thank you. You just brought him up. Yeah. yeah. You know, like he had wars. He fought the top guys, but. I don't get mad at him fighting the bums of the week as long as you fight top guys. Exactly. And so with this one here, this was not like, I'm just going to click a check and call it a day. No, he has a plan. He told everybody his plan last year when he moved up to 168. Yep. And so, Teddy, come on, man. Get off the soapbox. I, I like well, I Teddy's commentating sometimes, but when he has a grudge against certain fighters, it's unreasonable sometimes with Teddy. I, I, I think at the same time, look, I, as long as we're talking boxing and stuff, let's just say every once in a while we're going to say something to invoke emotion that basically has got you listening to the show or basically wanting to watch the show and, 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 and disagree with somebody who's uh, commentating on a certain fighter or a certain actor in mm -hmm. something that you love to watch and completely disagree with them. on and, and they do it sometimes on purpose because, again, you're – you're mm -hmm. trying to get people to watch and stuff of like that though. So I don't it, it, could it legitimately be Teddy's uh you know gut feeling, you know, his feelings and stuff? Probably, probably at the same time. Would it be surprised that he I'm not that? saying gut feeling? I've seen him just just drop mad shots at Canelo for no reason. Like it'd it been one thing if this was like a one-time shot, yeah. Jorge. And I know that I follow social media a little bit more than you. You know, I'd be texting like oh, this is so funny, like dialogue. Yeah, but Teddy Atlas has a certain amount of fighters. That every once in a while, when he has that little "come on, baby, I need an itch," and then he throw a shot at somebody out of out of left field. Like this is not left field because the fight happened, mm -hmm. but Cano is one of those guys in his crosshairs. Like if something is minute wrong, he is going. He's pulling the shotgun double barrel out, and he's he's double clicking and bam, bam. He's taking his shots. So, 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 so to me, I don't understand. Even if it's a, even it's a, even it doesn't warrant it, 
that's Teddy Al's MO. I, I don't know the genesis of why that happened. But He's I, not the only fighter. There's a good four or five fighters that Teddy has a hard on for. And it's possible behind the scenes they turned him down for an interview or like they, Lomachenko. Oh, he he he's gone hard on. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. It's, I'm not a, I'm not a big Lomachenko fan, but I respect him as a as an exquisite dope boxer, even though he yep. lost Lopez. But the things that he said about Lomachenko, I scratched my head like, yo, what, where are you going yeah, with this? So, so, you know, I was like, hey, man, did, did, did he bag your girl? That's I would say it's most likely an outside beef, a decline to request to interview or to meet or get some questions or whatever it is. At the end of the day, everyone's been jaded at some point in their life, and he's got a microphone to kind of like yeah. give him the business. He got, he got an audience. He, he got, got a crowd. ESPN still cutting checks, so exactly. he's like, "Hey, man, I'm just gonna go in." But check it out, though. Um, let's let's take a break from the action here. We want to talk about another subject regarding this WBC little fiasco here. But we have an ad. Oh, let's play this ad. This uh, I'm on another show called Jump Off Live that's on live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And uh, this is a sponsor on the show here. And so they've agreed to sponsor this show on Boxing Now here. Exactly. So uh, we got our first sponsor, and we're going to play this here, and we'll be right back to finish up on this WBC here. So here we go. Yep. Hello, everyone. It's your boo, Benji, and I'm here to talk to you about my booming business, Body aphrodisiacs. What most people like yourself don't know is that the body has the ability to stimulate the body. And that's where I come in. I teach uneducated people like you about exploring the mysteriousness of the body without going through that bed, Victoria, and all her damn secrets. Okay. <laughs> what you didn't know is what I'm about to tell you. The body stimulates the body. I'm going to say it again. Your own body stimulates your own body. I said that. You don't need a food or a drug or liquor to stimulate the body erotically or biologically. Benji teaches people how to tap into their own body, which will give you the strength to tap into others. I'm what Caesar Milan is to dogs, but for the body, I'm the body whisperer. I can aphrodisiac men's, women's, mimes, or anything that rhymes. Bars. Once I made the decision to put the word aphrodisiac into my hands and then speak it out of my mouth, it transformed into a vivacious bird. Thus, beginning the birth of my booming business, Body Aphrodisiacs by Benji, also known as Bab. I don't want to spill all the beans during this promo. So in order to learn these powerful body secrets, you must be at least 21 and you're going to have to rock with me on any and all social media platforms at Bad Body Benji, big. My credentials are all in check and I'm self-certified on so many levels. There are no higher accolades than the ones you can give yourself. So don't let anyone disqualify you, especially about exercising the power you have over your own body. And like my boo, Master Do You says, I can teach you, but I have to charge. Period. You're welcome. Jump off. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shout out to Bingy. 
Good shout out. Great ad. <laughs> Appreciate the sponsorship, the support. Looking forward to more advertisements from her. Um, the uh, if you watch Jump Off Live, uh, Jeff has a problem with all of our sponsors. All I'm gonna say is that uh, long as the checks keep clearing, uh. I'm, I'm not mad, Jeff. This is a great advertisement. You know, but hey, but the long as the checks keep clearing, that uh, we're gonna keep uh, we're gonna keep running these ads with these different sponsors. So shout out to Biggie, excellent <laughs> I sponsor. I, I I look forward to, okay. to the product. Uh, let's go on to our next subject here that we want to talk about. Um, the issue with this fight with uh Canelo Alvarez and mandatories. We were talking about this that got really spirited. What say what we're going to talk about this week besides the fight, and the issue is with mandatory challengers. So, um, uh, what we got going on here is that he was a mandatory for two years, right? We were talking that there should be no situation that if you're a mandatory challenger, that you should be sitting on the pine for two years. Now we know that COVID whacked out basically a whole year things but me and you got to discuss and it's like okay when you become the mandatory challenger whether it's the wbc wba ibf or wbo there should be some rules in place that since you got this status you just can't sit on it you just can't say hey i got it i'm just gonna wait back i know the positives of boxing i know sometimes i gotta wait because this guy may have multiple belts i'm just gonna sit here and wait for my shot and that's what's wrong with boxing today in this part of the standpoint right now that i I wanted to talk to you about yep. like in his situation here, not only that he was idle for 731 days, Jorge, he lost his last fight that we brought up here. You should not be a man. Agree with me or not. You should not be a mandatory for a championship shot belt. If you lost your last fight, the only way that you should be fighting for a title coming off a loss is the fact that it's a rematch or you were the champion and you had that contract, or you were the mandatory and there was some stuff that was going on scoring-wise or some crazy stuff happening, and then the sanction body says, we got to run this one back. If it's not those scenarios, you should not come off a loss and be a mandatory. Especially, exactly. I, I do agree, right? So if you come off, say, a, a an eliminator, right, for a, a you know, the, the, in other words, the winner ends up being the number one contender for sanction body three-letter alphabet belt. After that, if you say are in the holding pattern for a negotiation with a champion to get a fight, and along the way you had to take another fight, and if you lose that fight, even though it wasn't for a declared, uh, you know, you know, shot, you know, next, the number one contender for the shot, I tend to agree with you on that one, right? I mean, if you decided to take a fight and that you, you were the number one contender, and you took another fight before you had. Your shot with the champion and you lost. I it's, think I it's think, a wrap. I, I think that happened to Dillian White. That's a good. I, I'm glad I didn't even think about that example. Sorry to cut you off. That happened to Dillian White a few months ago. Yep. I told you I have a problem with him, and I, we need to talk about reason why I have a problem. Not now, but he was a mandatory for WBC once again. WBC for uh, Deontay Wilder, and he fought Alexander Povatnikov and got knocked out. I think it was like November or something like that. And then as soon as he got knocked out, he lost his mandatory position. I think that I think that's the case. If you, you know, are forced to stay active and you lose, you shouldn't fight for a title. I'm sorry. You're not worth if you lost to someone who's not the champion, you damn sure shouldn't be fighting for the champion. Now I know that you weren't the champion wasn't available, but Pavatikov is not the champion. He is nowhere near championship status anymore, even though you know he's still in the top 10. You know, he's just he's long in the tooth, but you got guys who still can fight. So with him. He could not beat Anthony Joshua. He could not beat Deontay Wilder, and he could not beat Tyson Fury. So if you're getting knocked up by him, nah, you lose your status. 
So I'm glad you brought up that scenario because he's someone who fought and lost and then boom. Now he can come back. He got a rematch coming up and can get his you know interim back, but the clock restarts again for him if he does that. If that happens. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Some fighters don't want to stay idle while. They're, okay, so 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 I do uh, like those fighters who don't want to stay idle while they're a mandatory against a uh, multiple title holder who's basically trying to uh, you know find his way you know through his schedule, his own schedule of, uh, of fighters he has, to, he has to come up with, and right, and you're waiting for your turn. So say you don't want to stay idle and you want to get into another fight. I think every risk you take, every fight you take moving forward, it's on the line. It's always on the line, right? It doesn't mean that the fighter you that you lose to should be the number one contender, but it resets the clock, right? Basically recreates the whole eliminator process all over again, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you need to get the top, the next two contenders that were just below you to get them to fight for the, to, for the chance to be the mandatory. Right, so I, I, there, there's some things that I think that need to be worked on from the from the, from a reform point of view, right? If you want to get this mandatory process working the way it's supposed to, because again, nobody should be idle for two years and without doing anything. No one should be coming off a loss, right, before that fight. So everything we've talked about so far, I agree with. That's what made this fight garbage, right? That's what makes these mandatories garbage. because we didn't grieve you just be in the ring. If you lost to Anthony Terrell two years ago. We, off the ripper thinking you you don't deserve to be in the ring with Canelo. Exactly. So right now you and it was a and Darrell. I said was the title holder. So you lost to a champion. Somehow got your status back, and you lost to a guy who we know if Anthony Darrell, who I thought said if any circumstance was to be changed, he should have got the fight. You know, former title holder at WBC, it would have been a better fight. And he, you say he deserved it more than him. There's no way you could think like you look at him as like he ain't being Canelo. He got worked by Darrell, and Darrell's a good fighter. He's not great. Yep. He's a good solid fighter and. It, it it boggles me how this how I, I wish that I had more information how he even got elevated for this mandatory position. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, chances are, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, kind of like last <laughs> seconds, I didn't think of. I was thinking the same thing you thought, and as okay. we were talking about the things, I was trying to look for it, but uh, we got you know, well, we came right back to the conversation and stuff. So here's the thing, right? I want to see. I don't think it was with anything to do with anything Durrell, but somewhere prior to that, he was the number one. He had to have been the number one before he lost his fight with Anthony Durrell. And I don't know where. It could have been the fight before Durrell. It could be two fights No, no, Durrell. Durrell was the title holder. I'm saying he fought for Durrell for the title, and what? he lost that fight, and then that was the last time he fought for two. So only thing I, I'm going to assume here, but knowing how sanctioned bodies work here, he lost. Durrell had the title. Then he fought uh, Benavides. Then Benavides beat him. So then that brings Darrell's status down as uh as you no know, rankings wise. Darrell became a title holder. Then Darrell, I mean, um, then Benavides lost the belt because he had lost the belt twice. Once because of uh cocaine issues, drug mm -hmm. issues. That was the situation. They mentioned that. And also weight issues. So he lost the belt twice. So between Andre Darrell and Benavides, they both had the belt title twice, and he lost it because of drug issues, weight issues, or beating one of the guys. They they back back and forth, and somehow Avni, being where he was, kept slowly getting moved up because other guys were losing. Yeah. So my thing is, I don't, I can understand how a guy can get ranked moved up if other guys lose, but you can't move right back up to the top spot when you ain't fought again and got yourself back in the win column to be deserving of a number one ranking for a mandatory. That is the only thing I can think of from history is the fact that that was his last loss for a title. 
Those two guys were going back and forth. People lost, and he eventually got bumped up because WBC does not rank other title holders. So let's say that WB, um, Billy Joe Saunders, mm -hmm. he's not ranking WBC because he has a belt. Same thing with Caleb Plant. So, of course, knowing those are two guys better than him, he gets moved up. Sure. You know? So just knowing history, and I'm assuming right now, just knowing the pattern, he lost. Everybody kept losing, so he kept getting bumped up, and eventually he got the mandatory spot. So here, so that's, this is that's the part that's random, and this is the right the, again. This is why sanction and body suck again. <laughs> but this is where we're gonna, I, I want to get back to this. Yeah, Durrell was the WBC champion when he fought him. That yes, he, okay. So the only thing that I can think of now, the the reason he was a mandatory, I don't think he was the mandatory. At WBC, I don't know. For, I, I don't want to comment. I don't. I won't say that. So I just want to say that I don't know if he was a mandatory thin or not. I think maybe. I, I, I'm saying so I just want to. I, just I think for Canelo, wasn't he the WBA number one? No, no, he was WBC. This is the WBC. You sure he wasn't any other? So remember, I mean, there's, there's other two other belts, I believe. Canelo no, he, has. Canelo has the WBA and the ring and the WB and WC right now. I've he been. won the. He won all the. Uh, he won the WBA belt against when he, when he fought. Um, Caleb Smith, um, was it Caleb Smith? Mm -hmm. uh, all the one belt was idle, and well, actually, one belt was idle, and the ring and the other belt was on the line. What happened though is as soon as Canelo won those won those belts in December, the mandatory was due. The WBC was the one that was due. Now, yeah. now normally it would be a WBA throwing some crap like this out because we know how horrible the WBA is, and I'm glad that we're having this discussion now. Because I had a brain fart last week, and it was Bermain's Tavern. When I said I couldn't remember his name, the Haitian heavyweight fighter, he fought for a lower level. Um, I don't know if it was a third or interim WBA heavyweight belt a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was sanctioned for a title shot when he didn't deserve it. So that's what we're talking about reform on mandatory who deserve title shots. But Stavern is someone who don't deserve a title shot. This know. guy is not someone who deserves a title shot. So who are we ranking to think that saying that this will be a good fight because these sanctions fights need to recognize that you're putting these fights on this not it's going to cost you more money in the long run. Yeah, and that's where and that's what I'm saying. I, I, so to me, you're right. Maybe he was the number one for Durrell for WBC, but because the W now the WBC would lower. Yildrum's ranking, but I believe the WBA is unaffected by the fight that Durrell. So to me, I think he was the WBA number one, even though he had lost. No, it's the Durrell. WBC. The WBC was due. I, I, I well, I, that's why I think some, some. I, okay, again, this is why sanctioning bodies suck. <laughs> somebody, somebody had him number one. I don't think he was WBC number one. I think he was number. He was somewhere else number one, and I think somewhere. Along the way, we need to get that straightened out because I definitely feel it was the WBC. That's what I'm saying. That's why um, he was only ranked because the last time he fought for a title, what he's only been ranked in the WBC. Mm. That is that. Like I said, with Anthony, with Anthony Durrell, that's the reason why he's in line with this because the fact that last time he lost was for Durrell's WBC belt. You see this all the time with certain fighters. If, like I said, um, sanctioned bodies do not rank other title holders. So if you have an IBF belt, you have the WBA belt, or whatever you have, any one of those four belts. You're not going to be ranking those. So you literally see guys who we say, why is this guy got not ranked? He should be ranked above this guy because they're a title holder. So with Adney here, the WBC was due. So it was a vacant. So when he fought Durrell for a vacant WBC super middleweight title. That was, so that was vacant. That, that was part. vacant. And so since he lost it, they kept his ranking high, even those lost because the fact that since that was a vacant title and he lost, 
his ranking stayed high enough where that even though he didn't fight, it allowed him to become mandatory. If, again. That, if that's the case, then that should have changed, and that sucks. It should have changed, right? And that's what we're having this discussion now because they're like once again, you come off a loss fighting for that title. Now I can understand like if it was a rematch for Darrell, you know, let's like two years later, man. Let's, let's say let's those hypothetical out here. He was hurt. Darrell went to another direction and then he finally got healthy. Then you had COVID and he's like, okay, here's the fight. Now I could somehow understand that happening, but in, 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 in that fight, when he lost, there was controversy. There was no controversy so, 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 when he so, fought Darrell. No, 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 actually. So let's go back to that right now. So I'm looking at it right now. So there was a split technical decision after Darrell got cut from a hexagonal head clash. So I could see that somewhere in the bylaws, there is something that allows Avni to keep his ranking because it wasn't a loss by knockout or by decision. It was by technical. But, but by, even but, though he was losing, it, it was Darrell was winning that fight. I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I don't mm -hmm. disagree. But that's basically the reason I can think of why he was allowed to keep his ranking because it was a technical decision. Well, it, it, well it, I can I, see. Who knows? No, here's what I'm going to say. His ranking didn't fall. That's another thing to look at. You can say maybe his ranking, you know, I'm saying that these rankings are so janky that he probably dropped only one or two spots. And then you add the fact that Andre Dur Anthony Durrell has lost a you know, to, you know, a few times, uh, of course, to Benavides. Benavides lost his title. So and then, and so the, they're, they're going back and forth. So they're not even considered, I don't know, this is some kind of probably language. They're not even considered mandatory because they're back and forth fighting for the title, losing it on the scales, losing because of drug issues. Well, and then uh, here he is, his his ranking never dropped. So it's like, oh, here you go. Fight for the mandatory. And, and if it dropped four, they say three spots. It, I can see that with that, with what you explained right now, it makes sense why he was able to move back up, right? Because if you think about it, Benavides relinquished his belt twice. For the weight and for the cocaine, so right there he's already moving up two slots just because of that, and it's all you take. And Darrell has defended the title too against somebody else. So there's a couple of times where that they were going back and forth, and then somehow he didn't fight, but he kept getting elevated. So yeah. somehow the thing, the, the whole point, Jorge, that we both agree on, and then it, it dumbfounds us is that you lose, you don't fight, and of course COVID had a whole year where nobody fought, and somehow you became the number one challenger again. So, I, so that's one of those where I think the WBC needed to do right for boxing and get that cleaned up with him fighting at least the very number two contender. So that way there was an honest. Derek, thank uh, you. An, an now bro, we're, an, now an, we're getting somewhere now that I want to talk about. An, now. an honest broker for who should be the champion, the, man, the mandatory for Canelo, right? Because it shouldn't have been this guy. I think mm -hmm. we both agree. We both agree it wasn't this guy. Anybody who watched that fight agrees he shouldn't have been in the ring. And at least the guy, the, the true boxing heads who understand boxing knew that there was something wrong with the process that got him there. So with that said, we need to talk about reform. We had some ideas for reform, my friend. Mm -hmm. So let's start knocking these a little bit one at a time. So I, I knocked on four bullet points that we had talked about in our pre-meeting and stuff that made sense. Okay. So, so we both agreed on this right here. So six months to negotiate the fight for the champion, right? So if you have just become the mandatory, you have the moment you're the mandatory to for the next six months to negotiate a fight, unless there's a gap period. And the gap period would be, say, for example, I'm the mandatory and I fought in April, but the champion's got a fight in July. Right, so we were going to basically add the months between your last fight and the fight when the champion has his next fight, and, and if all else, everything else is where it's supposed to be, and he wins, add those months where that gap period is to the six months. So, say for example, there's a two month period. Now you have eight months to negotiate a fight. 
with that champion. I like that idea that because that doesn't penalize the mandatory because, like I said, I always go back to basketball because I like to use that example. Schedules, exactly. you know, so you fight who's on your schedule. Yeah. So with boxing, you go by who's, you know, you're healthy, the negotiations, trying to find a site, all that stuff goes into play for one fight when all that is already done in the offseason in basketball and football. Dates. So, like I said, if you had a guy, in, you're the mandatory, you fought in April and the champion fought in July. Yeah, you have those three months. And then at that point, then, right. The period is you being a mandatory is like, okay, you need to submit for your bid for that. You just can't say, you know what, though? I'm just going to sit back. I got this. I got this golden ticket here. I'm just going to sit and chill. But I, I like that idea, that gap here, or vice versa. If the champion fought in April and the mandatory fought in July, same thing. You know, that gap period plus the six months. I agree with that. All right. So then here's where the champion comes into play here, right? So the champion's allowed to negotiate at least one time with the mandatory to take step aside money before that said champion wants to get into a said fight for with somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. Say he has another mandatory that, for whatever reason, maybe takes higher precedent, whatever may be the situation. That's that that mandatory can take step aside money at least negotiate it one time to take that step aside money, right? And the only way it can be extended past that one time is if the next fight the champion has has to be for an undisputed title, basically. I agree it needs with to be that. a unified title. They have to, there's the only other way. That could happen, right? And and we can talk about maybe the specifics of what that would look like. But I think for now, just that one time negotiating period with the mandatory for step aside money is good enough. I like that the basics on that because uh, what happens is we sell we see several times of guys taking step aside money and it happened. I've seen we you can, you can probably agree with me. You've seen this happen like probably for a fire two, three, four times that a fight gets moved down, and then eventually we've seen this guy who, of course, the we allow the champion. Of course, he's got bigger and better fish. And then now he's got to come back to this guy. It's like, yo, really? It, 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 this guy even looks even worse now after the two and three steps aside because he ain't fought. And then, then we've seen time like two plus years in that. He may have fought a bum. And it's like, really? One step aside time and then get that guy out the way. Because you know what happens when you do that? You, you start the clock for the other belts. Yep. Because if you're a multiple title holder, and let's say the WBC, for instance, you do this. The WBA comes up. The IBF comes up. You know what happens then? Eventually, one of those belts going to get stripped anyway. So one step aside, unless it's for the undisputed, and that's that's the only thing because that's for all the marbles. Exactly. Right. And here's a, here's the last one, the last point that, that I put up here. So when the mandatory accepts the side money, though, that fighter, that mandatory, has to fight somebody within the top 15 of the division. He cannot stay idle. The winner, no matter what, has to become the mandatory for the title. I, I agree with that too. Yeah. In, other, in other words, in other words, I don't care if that mandatory fights somebody in the top fifteen. If he's number fifteen, it's got to be. If you lose that number, set number fifteen, number fifteen becomes the mandatory. No, I won't go with that. No, why? Because there's guys below him that are right. There's 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 already a mandatory. There's number one. There's number two. There's number uh, three. Now I agree that number fifteen should get catapulted up. I don't agree that he should jump aside someone who may be number two. And then who because number two is now probably been waiting longer than number one mandatory. So I don't think you sidestep that. Maybe because of that win, then and you look at that body of work, how you get jumps elevated, you know, as far as the rankings, but you don't just you don't leapfrog everybody else, especially two, three, or four who's been waiting. And, and, the, and, and unless you could unless that if it unless like the sanctioned body says, you know what though, because of this fight, we want to sanction this guy now against the number two guy, become the new mandatory now. If the the reason I'm saying that is in, in the scenarios and putting this in this context, right? If I'm a mandatory and I'm trying to look for the least risk to me fighting somebody so I don't lose my mandatory position, but it has to be someone within the top 15 of the division. More often than not, you're going to pick something well outside the top 10, and you're most likely looking at 15, 14, trying to see which fighter fits your style. 
the 14 or 15, we for the most part, we would we would contend, we would think does not have a chance. But if that person just happens to have a lucky, lucky rabbit's foot, four-leaf clover, and just happens to do the impossible, what would be the betting odds, not the betting odds favorite to win, but it would essentially be a you know, uh, you know, a shocked surprise the world, beats the mandatory. You got to give him his just reward for it. Though. I said the reward would be that you probably elevate him to the next mandatory spot. Like, this really, if you get the golden ticket, you're a top 15, and the champion says you can fight him in the course of the guy once you become the champion, right? I don't think that you leapfrog everybody else. I think the fact that if you beat the mandatory, I think you should, bef- you beat that mandatory who's in the off and you're ranked and you're in that top 15 mm-hmm. where that you could have fought for a title if the title holder went after you. Then you should be able to. You should submit to saying, "I want to be the new mandatory for number two. Because if, let's say that when that guy loses, the new mandatory will be the number two guy. Now he would he would, he would be waiting for. He'd been looking his chops now, saying, "It's my turn now." So I'm just saying, like number fifteen, just because you have that opportunity, I think your your reward is you get to fight two for the champion. I think I'm looking at this from a purely risk reward. That, point. I'm looking at yeah. this from a risk reward point of view, right? As the mandatory, you're looking for the least amount of risk, and your reward is. You stay in your position, right? If you're looking at the self, the guy that's number 15, he's basically not expected to win that fight, right? No, but, but he could be called for a title shot anytime when you're in the top 15, especially WBC. WBC, you can you're in a clean bill program. Mm-hmm. That means that you're getting regularly tested for anabolic steroids or human growth hormone, etc. So if you're in that champion could submit if you're not the mandatory, if you want an off fight for him to be a champion. So I look at that as like you don't leave for everybody else. I just don't like that. Unless you fight the champion for the, the tiles on the line, you don't leapfrog the automatic mandatory. You automatically submit for that so that you can get it. That's your reward. No, so Unless the number two fights the number one. If, and then, like, of course, you said top fit. That's a whole other thing. But let's say that I'm dare to be great. I'm going to fight the number two guy. The number two guy's like, I'm next now. That's different because the rankings, you know? If, look, that's why I look at this way. The champion can fight, not fight somebody, say, in the WBC that's in the top three, but says, I want to fight the number, number seven WBC guy, right? Just to stay fresh. Doesn't want to take the risk with anybody else in the top three or any other title holders. If the champion could do that, at the very least for a fighter that's number 15, and not, like I said, I could have five losses at number 15. Right? Again, not expected to win. The mandatory chose me because I'm the least risk in his point of view. You got to give me something higher than just moving up a few spots. And to me, you got to punish the mandatory for, one, choosing to go down that route. What I don't want to see is mandatories picking the easy route to stay the mandatory. I want that mandatory to fight somebody a little bit closer in the top uh, in the top five. If you're gonna, uh, the mandatory's got to stay. Not he can't stay idle. But I don't right. want him picking on lower tier fighters that are outside the top ten mm-hmm. just to stay relevant as a mandatory. But I would let me so, so to let me, me just, let I, me just chime in on that. I agree and I don't agree only for the fact that. I'll use this argument. It's not the same, but just because you beat that guy, I understand the reward. The reward is not the ultimate reward. You should be rewarded for it, but it doesn't mean you get everything. So reason why I'm I'm using this example real fast, because we're going to need to end this here. Sure. Like if a guy like Buster Douglas beats Tyson, that's his only signature win. Is he a Hall of Famer? No, but that's but no, 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 no. I'm, I'm using, I know that's, that's extreme. That's a very Actually, extreme position. I know that, but I'm saying though, if a guy who's a competent heavyweight or champ, whatever, like in any division, and he beats someone iconic, like I'm using that as Mike Tyson, we agree he's not a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, but here's the thing though people believe that 
there's now people's like, yo, you're automatically in the Hall of Fame because you beat a champion. Some people think you have this one signature win and you automatically in the Hall of Fame in boxing. We say, no, no, I, I know it's extreme. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that just because you win that extreme, you win that fight doesn't mean you get the extreme prize. That's what I'm looking at. Like, there's a reason why rankings happen for a reason. Like, I see, I can see why you're coming up with that, that, that thought process. I'm looking at the reward is now you're in line to possibly for a title shot. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you automatically gain the mandatory shot because A, it what it, it's not like you sign a contract saying this is for the mandatory shot. Mm -hmm. This is an optional fight. Sure. So if they if they find a way to throw some things in there saying that we can negotiate a mandatory title like, like it's actual belt or something like that, which is a whole nother thing. I don't want to go down that rabbit no. hole because that'd be create that that creates a new interim mandatory belt. So you see what I'm saying there? That that kind of creates that new thing that you're kind of bringing. And that, and that, and that, but that's what no, but that, that, that's that's in the most extreme position. Which I know that, but, but in boxing, it will go to that. You know, it's, that no, 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 no. First of all, it's already extreme as it is. So I think we're, I think at this point, anything we're past. I think we're past extreme and we're past ridiculous when it comes to Got that right. the number. So I think <laughs> I think there's no other way it can go anything further than than that because at, that, at some point you will turn off. True boxing heads are gonna be like, I'm done with this. That and again, the day the man, all the mandatory is risking is his title shot. If number 15 beats the, the said mandatory, at the end of the day, all the, the guy that's number two, number three, he's gonna get his shot because at the end of the day, there's also the expectation that if number 15 beat the mandatory, he's gonna chances are he's got a fighter's chance to beat the champion, he's most likely gonna lose that shot. And you're gonna get elevated anyways to being the number one. So at the end of the day, I get the pecking order and stuff like that though. But you gotta basically, I don't want to see mandatories fighting said tomato can just to hold their position, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that mandatory is fighting somebody that if, if if he's fighting number two, that more power to him because chances are if he's fighting number two, he's basically gonna be the 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 main the sub part sub part of the main event of mm -hmm. any main event of any pay per view card because that's gonna be a big match. Yep. And, and a max and, and believe me, undercards will be happy to have that. I'd be happy, better than some of the undercard shit that we're getting now. Mm -hmm. So believe so, so. Trust me, I, I'm, I'm the way I'm thinking about this is from a pay per view point of view. I get my main title, but that second fight better be just as good. And it's gonna be, if it's end up being a mandatory fighting a number three or number four, that's better than the mandatory fighting number fifteen. I. No. I we're gonna have to table this for this one. We gotta come back to this. This is good stuff. Though. Yeah, because we only got about twenty four minutes in this, but this is not a twenty four minute talk. When we've sure. we've seen this problem since we've known each other. Yep. Oh yeah. We. I, I mean, we're. We, I mean, this we're is this great. is not this is not the first. Even though we're talking about this now, and like we're getting into it, this is not the first time we've complained about something like this over the years. So. We need to we we need to make a note to come back to this. We know that we're going to see another mandatory this year, and we're like, oh we're, crap, we're, we're no. going to see some bullshit. We're gonna yeah. see some bullshit this year. We're mm -hmm. not going to like it. And at the end of the day, hey, look, the boxing head, the boxing powers out there. I hope you're watching this. I hope you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. It's just some ideas. Take some consideration, and all you sanctioning bodies, unite at least on the same idea. Be exactly. on the same page. I'm tired of one idea being held by this sanctioning body, another idea being held by this sanctioning right? Unite on the same one, so at the least. Normal boxing fans who are not casual boxing fans who don't follow the sport will at least make sense of this stuff. Old school boxing heads like ourselves will finally see some a problem rectified, mm -hmm. a long time coming rectified. Yep. On that note, man, we're gonna close out. We're gonna come back to this. Sure. Reform these mandatory sanctioned bodies, please do. But we're gonna come back to this here. So let's uh close out here. Once again, like, 
subscribe, hit the bell notification for YouTube so you can watch us live here or just catch the playback when it's actually done uploading here. Shout out to our new Twitch audience now since we're uh, broadcasting on Twitch now, Boxing Now. We'll be broadcasting live on Twitch going forward here. Also, Spotify, click on follow if you're just going with the audio only. And also for our affiliates, Spanglish World Sports, channel 250 on the Zingo app. That's where we're at for our Canada affiliate Zingo Spangler Sports World. Also, you can check me out Wednesdays live 8 p.m. Central Time. Jump off live on YouTube. We stream that show live with my fellas, my brothers, uh, Johnny Dangerous, JD, and Jeff Smith. So once again, Wednesdays 8 p.m. Central Time. Jump off live. It's the other show that I'm on. Jorge, what you got here as well? Hey, so also here on Twitch TV, Live Dominoes. Uh, you can find us at the Live underscore Dominoes. That's the name on the channel. Uh, we broadcast on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Wednesdays, we take our show on the road. So we will be at in Chicago at the PL Lounge, 3456 North Pulaski Avenue at 8 p.m. to 11. You can catch us live there. Uh, do watch the show and follow us when you get a chance. And then we'll be streaming live from our normal location at La Taberna on Thursdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. So do follow us. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have. All right. So we're going to close this show out here. We'll have another episode. Uh, we'll drop later on this week. But for my man, Jorge, I am that dude named Dave. This is the Boxing Now Podcast BMP, and we are out of here to the next episode. Take you care, guys. folks. Later. Yes.